Hello everyone, this is Dr. Anastasia Chopolis and another episode of Scientific Healing Radio. And today what I'm going to talk about are the 11 ways we connect with others that can either benefit us or cause us problems. You've probably heard me talk about relationships before and relationships are really, really that important. They can not only affect your heart and your livelihood and uh, how you feel about yourself, but they can also affect how much money you're earning and it can affect your health and it can affect where you live and what you decide to allow for yourself. And today what I'm going to talk about are the 11, it might even be 12 ways we connect to people energetically. And I'm going to mention many of the 14 processes that I use to clear all old relationships up. You know, the first thing that you have to know is every time you have a conversation with someone, it's just like right now, I am sharing my energy with you. So if you're having especially a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, you are exchanging energy with them. If you hug them, you exchange energy. If you have sex with them, you're exchanging energy. If you share a meal with them, you are exchanging energy. Every interaction exchanges energy. So now you've got this pure, beautiful frequency, and they've got this pure, beautiful frequency, and now you start mixing them. And now at the end of the day, after you've encountered 20, 30, I don't know, 40 people, you are now full of their frequency, and they're full of everybody else's frequency. So you can imagine that uh, if you encounter a lot of people that have frequencies that are not compatible with yours, which is virtually everybody, right? So if you encounter all these people and you don't clean yourself up afterwards, you're going to eventually start to decline unless you do some energy hygiene. So let me start mentioning besides conversations um, things that happen to you when you encounter other people and you exchange energy with them. And it could be either gentle, it could be violent, uh, it could be, uh, you know, an argument, it could be, um, you know, a criticism, um, it could even be praise, right? So whenever somebody praises you, inside you say, yes, yes, yes which boosts your energy. When somebody criticizes you, you can feel your energy just sort of start to deplete and start to drain out of you. And there are some people, uh, I know that, you know, when I was young, very young, my mom was highly critical. Uh, and that was the Greek way, right? So parents, parents thought that the way to help their children was to constantly criticize them. Why? Because you're improving them. They didn't know how damaging those effects are. It has to be balanced. The criticism needs to be balanced with praise. And I remember when I was 30 is when I heard the first praise out of my mom's mouth. Now, that didn't mean that she didn't think the world of me. She did because my sister eventually told me, you know, every time mom's talking about you, she's always talking about you in the highest tones. 
<laughs> so it's not that. It's just that she thought if she praised me that I would end up getting a very egotistical and have a big head. And that's not something, you know, in the Greek way for women is to be modest and not to show off and not to be big. Even though people like Melina Mercuri was one of the early Greek, right? She was big, bigger than life, right? So so there are these all these different ways we interact with people. So the first thing that happens is that when you encounter a painful situation, your spirit, which is supposed to animate your entire body from head to toe, it starts receding out of parts of you. So what happens is that your body becomes disembodied. Right? So disembodied completely is when your spirit completely leaves the body and the, the line is severed between the spirit and the body, and that's death. So that's a disembodied spirit and a, dis, a dispirited body, right? So what you, what you don't, that's not what you want to happen. What you want to happen is that the center of your spirit is aligned with your heart right? So the heart of your spirit is aligned with the heart of your body. And a good way to do that, so I'll just, um, you know, get you started in getting yourself re-embodied is to take a deep breath and breathe all the way down into your belly button. And when you're doing that, uh, straighten your shoulders back, open, you know, open the heart area, open it nice and full, because when you close it down, this is the fear response. It lowers your frequency. It raises your cortisol and all that. And when you stand up straight, you're feeling confident. So your body and your uh, emotions match, right? So if you smile, if you start smiling, you don't feel very good and you start smiling, you're going to feel better because the the um, hormones and the neurotransmitters and everything will shift in a positive direction. So now that we're breathing deep and imagining that all your energy is going to your fingers and toes, let's talk about some of the other things that happen. So when you have been around somebody that's highly critical or somebody that might even spanked you when you were younger, that emotional charge and the places where you were touched or slapped, which, you know, I got when I was little, we got the wooden spoon across our rear ends. That was really common. And uh, there is even a Greek expression, you're going to eat a stick, meaning you're going to get, you know, a stick across your butt, right? So, so this emotional charge on your body, wherever that damage has happened, is that uh, it, it stays for a very long time. And that very long time, the energy recedes out of that area. And when a person that can see energy reads it, it reads as dark. It could have even been a bicycle accident where you fell and hit your head. Or it could have been a time you were in a car accident and you, you bumped into your knees. Or it could be a time that you fell down. Like I fell down once when I was running and I put my arms out and I ended up bruised and, uh, you know, sore everywhere. I had a really bruised chin and scraped up body. So your, your body will perceive that as violence and it will start to turn those areas dark. And a lot of people 
if it's not another person involved, if it's just you, if it's not another person involved, it, it's, it's relatively easy to heal. But when there's another person involved, especially if somebody has been in an abusive relationship, whether they were physically abusive or not, there'll be lots of areas that are dark. So we have to brighten those back up again. And I mentioned that energy exchange. So one of the things that I do with energy exchange is that I pull back all the energy that you've left everywhere. And in shamanic terms, is called a soul retrieval. But really what it is, is recalling all of the places you left energy right? You went to the store and you gave your money out. You, you know, you had a fair exchange. You got food instead or clothing or whatever. But let's say you've had a conversation with somebody. So I, I, a lot of my um, friends and acquaintances are business owners. And one of them, um, she did phone calls all day long. And by the end of the day, she would drag herself home and not be able to enjoy her children or her grandchildren or even her time at home. And so I gave her this tip is that um, at the end of every conversation that you're having, you pull your energy back into you and you do it via a rose. So I'll just explain that so you'll get a clue. So the subconscious works very symbolically and uh, scientifically a rose vibrates at four times that of a healthy human. So a healthy human vibrates at 70 to 80 megahertz. That's 80 million beats per second. And a rose will vibrate at 320 megahertz. So rose oil is like the very highest vibrating material, organic material that we know of. That's why rose oil is so precious. But we can symbolically use the rose to collect all of our energy from everywhere we left it. We have a rose in front of us where we bring it all in. And then we have roses in front of everything that uh, we want to give the energy back to and we send the energy back. We're gathering it and now we're taking the rose and pulling it into us. So now we have all our own energy back and the symbol for this is for me is this process. What I do is I pull my energy in and I give all of the energy that I gather during that time away and then I sever the cords. So when you are having a conversation or a relationship with anybody, we all have heart-to-heart -heart cords. These are inviolate. They stay always. But we can also form other kinds of cords that are exchanging energy that aren't necessary. So the thing to do is after you do this exchange is sever the connection. You won't sever the heart cords, but you'll sever everything else that's not necessary. And so my friend, her name is Caroline, uh, she started doing that every day. And she said, you saved my life. She says, I can go home now at 6 p.m. after a long day of being on the phone with, with all kinds of people, you know, complaining ones, happy ones, it doesn't matter. When I go home at the end of the day, I have the evening in front of me that I can enjoy. So that is one of the ways is to collect all your energy back and sever the cords.
The other thing that happens when you come together with people is that you form implicitly, you form contracts and agreements. You size up that person in just a few seconds. You decide whether you're going to have a friendship, a relationship, you know, intimate, whatever. You somehow have an inkling already of what's going to happen. And then you start forming in your own mind and with them contracts and agreements. And so those contracts and agreements can be rewritten at any time. Energetically, we can rewrite them. And then we also have karma with people. So karma is a tacit agreement that you have when you come into life, that when you come together, that you are going to uh, learn a particular lesson, right? So... So a lot of times we've learned the lesson, but somehow that energy keeps lingering on and on and on, and you're going, okay, I'm done with it. And so we can complete the karma. So these are, these are many of the processes. So what about some of the others that you may not have heard of? So in all of us, we have a divine DNA. You know, we were we all carry this divine DNA. It started when our soul started. And according to uh, many religious tenets, including my own, which is Christianity, is that our, our soul is immortal. So if it's immortal, that means that it existed long before I came into being and will exist long after this particular vessel of it ceases to exist. At some point, you know, 150 years into the future. <laughs> so, so now, so now you have this, you have this divine DNA. You know, you've heard of 12-stranded DNA. Well, two of the strands are your divines, are your divine strands, and these strands are um, the information that the spiritual world imposes on us, and sometimes we carry. Um, we have carried from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. We have carried this uh, maybe violence, maybe, you know, anger, some sort of peace in the DNA that needs cleaning up. So you don't keep getting the same kind of relationships over and over again. And that you may not have heard of before. And... Um, uh, other things besides your uh, emotions and how the emotions can build a wall around your heart, you may have heard of that, um, but also uh, your timeline, your timeline is the, the life path that your soul takes through lifetimes. Now, if you're on the spiritual side of the world, there is no time, and so you're observing yourself having all these experiences simultaneously, right? It's kind of it's kind of hard to imagine that there's no time in one dimension, and people talk about it all the time, but it really, if you stop and think about it, if there's no time over there, then you, your spirit, is observing yourself having this experience. Right. So so now you've got this this DNA happening according to what your soul's, you know, your soul's path through all of these lives has done. Right. So now that needs cleaning up because, you know, you've had all these relationships. Sometimes you're having relationships with the same souls over and over again.
and uh, that needs cleaning up. But we also, our DNA will carry. So DNA is like a computer chip. It's programmable. We know that. It's called epigenetics. Look it up. It's a real science. It's relatively new, about 15, 20, 30 years old at most. But we've noticed that the DNA shifts according to your behavior. So, for example, if you treat your body not very well, like you drink, uh, you smoke, you know, do drugs, uh, eat fast food all the time, crappy food, your DNA will shift to giving you high cholesterol, high blood pressure, obesity, um, high blood sugar, and so on. So it kills you off quickly because you're giving the message to your cells, I want to die, not I want to live. And so if, by the same token, if you keep ending up in violent relationships over and over again, your epigenetic um, imprint on you will be to attract um, violence into your life because it seems like you want the violence. And so by rewriting that, for example, uh, I did that with one of my clients who was angry at her father for 40 years. Right. So she's in her late 60s and she said in her late 20s, she was so angry at her father, she never wanted to speak to him again. And she carried that anger every time she thought of him for the next 40 years, she was angry. And all she did was attract more and more and more anger into her life. So not only did I release the um, the anger out of her body, but I also cleared up her DNA for, for having angry, you know, for being angry and for having angriness, you know, anger and rage around her life. And the next week she says to me, I don't know what you did to me, but I can't even muster anger against my father. And not only that, but she shifted in really huge dramatic ways in such a way that people are going, who are you? I don't even recognize you anymore. Her face lit up, uh, her business increased. Yes, so what happens is when you carry these traits, then you like push away all of the ideal people that you would love to work with or love to have relationships with, and your health and your relationships are intimately related. We know this from a lot of the magnificent studies that have been done in medical schools that show that happy marriage, happy, happily married people live a lot longer. That's the only difference is their relationships, right? And it's not that the wife is cooking better food. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they eat nothing but junk food, but still they're, they're happier. And they also know from areas like in Sardinia, Italy, or in um, one of the islands in Greece, that, um, that, that they live a lot longer. And the main difference is, and there's even Loma Linda, California, where there's a lot of uh, long-lived long people, and the main difference is community. It's the number one factor is community. You can have everything else the same, but community is the, the big difference. And in fact, there was one story of a gentleman who was told he only had a few months to live because he had cancer and he was about 80. So he decided to move back to his Greek island 
And um, so what he did was he visited all his old friends, he went to his family, and he started enjoying life. And after six months, he goes, well, you know, I should be dying now. I don't know what that is. And, and so then he finally went to the doctor after a year, and the doctor says, well, you don't have cancer anymore. So really, really, it was... You know, of course, the air is better, and oh, the island is called Ikaria. Ikaria is uh, one of the Greek islands that's kind of towards Turkey, but it's still in the country of Greece. And uh, we have friends from Ikaria, and the thing is that the people in Ikaria there are like they embrace you as their dear friends and community is the most important thing. So community is a really, other people are really, really important for your health. So then the, the I just wanted to, before I close, I just wanted to cover a couple of more things that you may or may not have heard of. And that is in restoring the energy body. So what'll happen is you may not know that some of the chakras or energy portals can get completely shut down or even their vertices broken off so you cannot be fed in those areas. So the flow of energy needs to be restored again to the body. There's also something, there's an energy field around the head that is often drawn as a halo on saints, right? So that that energy field around the head is is something that's extra and and people don't realize that it's there and it really the the bigger and more vibrant it is the healthier it is because it allows you to collect a lot more of the environmental energy around you and that also needs to be restored and then there is something that uh, it, it's a divine light in the cells. And all babies are born with an abundance of it because they grow very rapidly in the first few years, right? So when a baby is born, it's already grown from one cell to six, seven, eight pounds in the first year. So you can imagine that is an uh, on almost infinite growth rate. And then in the first year, they usually multiply their weight by three or four. And then the next year, they might double it. And then after that, the weight climbs very slowly. So that means that the cells have slowed down. But the, that light needs to be in there for things to heal. And what will happen is that the light will vanish out of the cells when uh, someone has been abused continually. And that's in dysfunctional families. A uh, high amount of criticism is verbal abuse. The abuse, people just don't want to be alive anymore, and so their body will start to shut down. So, um, let's see. And the light in all cells. Oh, and the last thing is something called your life force, right? So. The average person loses about, after the age of 40, loses about 10 to 15 percent of their life force as they age. And so by the time someone is 60, their life force at 60 percent is about what you would normally expect from a healthy person. And by the time they've reached 80, their life force will be between 30 and 40%. So what is life force? The life force 
is how well your spirit is attached to the body. And the healthier your body, the more your spirit wants to stay in it. Like some people that are in accidents, what will happen is that their spirit will shoot out of their body, look back at it, and decide it's too broken to climb back in. And sometimes people die and they don't understand why, right? But so it's that life force that's really important. And there is a process that I use to reattach the spirit to the body, lock it in, and raise the life force. And that is totally essential. When I was working on a coma, comatose patient, his life force was under 10%, which means death was in, imminent. What'll happen, what'll happen with somebody like that is I brought this person back to life, even though the doctors all said he wouldn't live, by raising his life force two to three times a day. And he woke up three weeks later perfectly fine. So what'll happen is if I encounter somebody who is 60 years old but has a 20% life force is to keep them on the planet, raise their life force back up. And um, so I regularly check mine and it's usually over 90% because I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But when I was just turning 60, it was only at 60%. That's healthy for a 60 year old. But now that I'm 66, it's running up over 90 at the moment because of, you know, I just have like this extra vitality by doing a lot of the energy hygiene work. So that's all for today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Please share this with your friends. Be sure to subscribe to my channel and I will see you same time, same place next week.